It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up the for Giannis at the buzzer. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, I think we got a lot of heartbroken people out there uh, because I had teased an eight hour long Brandon Jennings Returns to Milwaukee podcast on Twitter. Um, and we didn't talk about Brandon Jennings once, um, which I think is pretty much perfect because it. I guess it gets across the point that I would like to prove that that's how much I think he means to the Bucks at this point. Like that's how much I think anyone should be thinking about him as a point guard option, anything like that. Like, so I think it was perfect that we didn't end up talking about that yesterday. But that was strangely enough the the largest news of the day yesterday, um, other than the game, and we didn't even touch on it. Yeah, it was pretty funny because. You know, there, I think there, there was like rumors of like Brandon Jennings being in Milwaukee and obviously he'd been in China um, this season uh, playing in the CBA um, after not being able to get an NBA deal. And 
you know, it was kind of interesting. People talk about, oh, the Bucks signing Brandon Jennings. And, you know, I mean, I think we know we've talked about just sort of like not seeing the point of bringing in Brandon at this point, given sort of just his struggles the last couple of years. And uh, even with the Bucks being obviously very shorthanded at the point guard spot, just, you know, they don't have a roster spot right now. So you'd have to really release somebody. And so it, it was interesting. I'm sure a lot of people probably, you know, especially casual folks, probably not listeners to this podcast, but probably a lot of casual folks were surprised that he was signing with the herd or signing with the G League and then being claimed um, by the Wisconsin herd, which uh, obviously was, you know, kind of a planned thing. Um, you know, today, uh, Jim Paschke and Bucks.com had a, an interview with Brandon and, you know, it sounded like it started with, with Dave Dean from the herd. And also, you know, it's been with the Bucks since I think 2008, uh, Dave came with, uh, John Hammond. So obviously Dave has history with Brandon kind of called him up and that that's how it's sort of all this started. But obviously it was a little circuitous to get to the point of Brandon Jennings being back in the state of Wisconsin. But I thought it was important that you. <laughs> when I signed on to Twitter, I don't know, it was yesterday, I guess. Uh, I thought it was important that you framed it in like all caps, sort of Brandon Jennings is not on the box now. Um, because it seemed like even as I was listening to talk radio and certain like basketball insiders uh, today, like I was like, do, do people actually understand that he's not, you know, like on the box? Like they can't actually just like, you know, he's whistle a free up to Wisconsin. Or, yeah, I mean, he's on the herd, but. Um, he, but he cannot play for the Bucks unless they were to sign an NBA contract, which obviously is a, a big distinction between you know um, being a G leaguer and and being a two way guy or being you know uh, a, a guy with an NBA contract who is playing in the G league, whatever it might be. He's obviously at this point just another G leaguer who happens to play for the Wisconsin herd, and um, obviously you know there's a lot of history in, in Milwaukee, but at this point um, you know nothing imminent would appear to be about to happen with with Brandon Jennings and the Milwaukee Bucks. I was actually sort of excited because I thought this that Jennings with the herd could kind of be a good teaching moment for everyone about how the G League works, how two-way contracts work. Like I was hopeful, which I guess I should never be. Like I should just not have hope that this could be a moment like that, but I was hoping this could kind of be a greater lesson like, hey, if you're on a G League team, that doesn't mean that your parent club owns your rights like the g league team does but also the g league as in a larger league is what has your rights not that parent club because i just think there's with the herd right now and as we've kind of gone through this season it always feels like i'll get tweets like why don't they call up x let's see um james James young Young. like why don't they call up james because james young isn't on their team like that's why they didn't call up James Young. And maybe they wouldn't call up James Young anyways, because I don't know how good James Young actually is. Um, but they didn't call him up because he wasn't on their team, and that's not something that you can actually do. Like This isn't uh, a AAA team where you can send a guy down and bring him back up unless he's on a two-way. So I was kind of hopeful that the Jennings situation would turn into that, but then it just turned into me needing to respond to every question about some sort of loophole that could somehow get Brandon Jennings on the roster. Like, what if they cut um, what if they cut Xavier Bunford and then sign him to a two-way? Well, one, the two-way deadline was January 15. And two, he's had way too much NBA experience to get a two-way contract. Like, that's, like, it's what, four years of experience and Brandon Jennings has eight? 
So, like, that's just not a thing that could be done. So, I guess, in a way, like, we're still learning about... Uh, we're, this is still a teaching moment. I'm just teaching at, like, a first or second grade level as opposed to, like, a high school level where I was hoping everyone could just, like, pick it up right away. Like, I'm having to go step by step through this. But that's fine. Like, it'll still be a good lesson in that Brandon Jennings cannot get called up to the Bucks right now. Brandon Jennings can only be on the Bucks if they cut someone else and sign him to an NBA contract. Yeah, and I mean, you you pointed this out to me yesterday, you know, because um, I, I came out and I just said, you know, for the record, I, I don't think, I you know, if I was the Bucks, I wouldn't cut somebody to sign Brandon Jennings at this point. I mean, just, you know, the last couple of years, really, I mean, since, and ironically, he tore his Achilles. I mean, a lot of people probably remember the moment when the Pistons were in Milwaukee and, and Brandon, I think it was, he was just guarding Brandon Knight. And I think it was in the backcourt, Um, he was guarding him like full court and he just took a wrong step His Achilles popped. And, um, you know, unfortunately for Brandon, I mean, he just hasn't been the same player really since, um, you know, he had a, a solid first season, uh, in Detroit set a career high in assists with 7.6. That was in the 2013, 14 season. And then that next year played half the season and misses it with the rest of it with the injury. And, um, you know, has kind of bounced around Detroit, Orlando, New York, Washington since then. And it seems like at every stop, you know, there was sort of been like this hope that like, Oh, like, Oh, Brandon Jennings in New York, that, that could be really fun. Brandon Jennings in Washington, that, that could be really helpful because they lack of depth. And, you know, he just hasn't been the same guy. I mean, he's shot under 40% um, in, in all of his stops since uh, since tearing that that Achilles. I mean, let, let's also acknowledge Brandon Jennings has only been over 40% shooting from the field once in his career. Well, twice. The second time was 40.1%. I mean, he is, yeah. he, is uh, he has always been an extremely inefficient scorer um, who just, you know, basically chucks. Except um, for the first month of his career when he shot Except for the first month of his career. From three. Yeah, 50% exactly. from three. Yeah, and he was incredible. And uh, oh, well. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, again, I think if you wanted a, a point guard, you know, we talked about buyout options. And, you know, we talked about, you know, could you have gone after a, a Jameer Nelson type or somebody who's, Strangely you know, enough, we never brought up Brandon Jennings. Weird. I no. wonder why we didn't bring up Brandon yeah. Jennings. Yeah, because he's not good anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, I mean... Watching that video with, with Jim Paschke, I mean, I, I have to say, I mean, he, he came across well. I, I think he's obviously a guy who's seen a lot. You know, I mean, he he's obviously was well-traveled even by the time he got to Milwaukee, having yeah. come over from Italy, which I think was a good experience for him. Um, but, you know, I mean, as much as he said, oh, he wanted to go to China to clear his head. I mean, if he had an NBA contract, he wouldn't have gone to China, obviously. So, um, you know, he's a guy who's who's trying to figure out a way back in the league and um, you know, fingers crossed for him. I'm, I'm rooting for him that he plays well in, in, uh, in, in Oshkosh and hopefully gives them a little boost. Cause you, you mentioned, we were discussing before the pod, you mentioned they've been struggling a lot lately. So, um, you know, hopefully it gives folks up there, maybe a little excitement, um, plays well. He talked about putting on a show, wanting to do that. Um, but obviously as far as like a guy that, you know, um, was ready to make, you know, help an NBA team, uh, as you said, I mean, if the bucks, if the bucks wanted Brandon Jennings on their team, I mean, you know, now would be the time to go add a point guard when you're down two two of your three point guards, right? I mean, to let Brandon Jennings go play two weeks and then sign him to a contract, I mean, that would be kind of strange because hopefully Delhi will be coming back soon anyway. But um, but yeah, kind of a, an interesting story, certainly. Um, and certainly from a business standpoint, I think a, something that makes sense for the herd. Um, but, you know, as far as like how the Milwaukee Bucks fit in this, I, again, I, I don't think they will. Yeah, and I, I just think to me that's kind of, 
the big point to me is like there there could be a day where the the Bucks decide that he's valuable enough to go out and get him, but that day gets further away as we go through like each of these days because the Bucks are going to get closer to not needing a backup point guard. Like because once Stelly comes back, like you don't want Brandon Jennings around. Like you don't need him at that point. And then Malcolm Brogdon will probably likely come back at the end of the season or right around the playoffs. And then you really don't need Brandon Jennings. Like, if there's a moment you would need a backup point guard, someone to fill minutes at the point guard spot, it would be right now, and it would be for Brandon Jennings. So um, I just don't I don't really see it. And I know anytime a, a former Buck is – in rumors with the team or whatever, there's always the outcry of like, oh, can the Bucks just leave the past in the past and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And I, I guess largely I just think, how much, are, are you, you a really passionate Herd fan? Like, that you're, you're really jacked up and upset that the Herd went out and got someone more talented than the people that they have not, like, because this doesn't, to me at least, at this moment, this doesn't affect the Bucks, and I don't see a moment where it affects the Bucks. So, uh, helping out a te- the the herd for the big herd fans out there, um, they're they've won one game in their last ten. Like they need players and, and they need some talent, and Brandon Jennings can be a bit of that type of infusion at the G League level. And I think you hope that. He can do something there and help out the roster and uh, make them a better team and make that a better experience for any of their players. Like that to me is is what this is about. This is about helping out the G League roster, not helping out the NBA roster. So we'll see. You mentioned Brandon Jennings put on a show, and I immediately just started to think about um, his like web series under the armor where he's at like. I don't even know. He's at Rucker or something, and he's putting up points, and then he has a free throw, and he just like throws it off the glass to himself and dunks it with two hands, and they like call off the game. Like that's, I think that's the show I'm imagining in Oshkosh, and I gotta say, it kind of makes me laugh, and it, it kind of intrigues me. But ultimately, I would assume he'll play by the rules of basketball um, <laughs> and not do that uh, because he has matured over the years. But um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, to me, this isn't a hurtful move. This isn't something that I. I'm overly upset about or anything like it's it's nostalgic and kind of helps me remember Brennan Jennings swaggering around during his double nickel but other than that like yeah I don't I, it doesn't mean much to me this is Jake from Locked On Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history after beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, for the Bucks, I mean, okay, well, they only have you know one point guard right now. Um, I mean, if if they were going to give somebody else minutes at at the point guard spot, I mean, I would start with you know, I'd kind of like to see what Xavier Munford can do. To be yeah. honest, I mean, um, you know, again, he he doesn't have obviously a lot of NBA experience, but um, you know, I think we've seen from Brandon Jennings. I mean, he's you know, despite the fact that what he's 28 years old, I mean, it's crazy how young he still is. Um, and you hope that he maybe still has a way back to to being a, a more productive player and a, an NBA player. Um, but I, I'd kind of be interested in seeing what Xavier Munford. I mean, he's younger. Yeah. He's obviously been terrific in the G League, terrific for the herd. Uh, you've got him on this two way contract. I don't know how many days he has left. Um, so part of me would say, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're gonna we're gonna go to the All Star break here, and and I assume we won't see him on Thursday night. Uh, it would have been interesting if they could have maybe had some more, you know, bigger blowouts. And for instance, Orlando against the Atlanta. Yeah. You know, could you have gotten him some run um, instead of Jet? Really, you know, with Giannis and in some of those second unit lineups, um, I would have been curious to see that. I mean, hell, I, I mean, it's not like Jet is so you know, instrumental as much as he's actually played a little better of late. Um, you know, I would it would have been interesting to see was Munford in, in that role. Um, but, you know, again, I don't I don't have a problem with the Bucks instead going with, you know, Giannis and Jet, who, you know, again, if, if the Bucks did make a move, I think it seems like Jet would probably be the guy that that you'd yeah. let go at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, for the time being, uh, yeah, I don't think uh, Brandon Jennings is is worth, uh, you know, cutting somebody, especially Jet, who actually has been playing better basketball. Like, I don't think Brandon Jennings is actually better than Jet right now. Yeah, I don't so, think he has that. So, which is kind of sad to say, given Jed is, you know, whatever, 12 or 13 years older than him. But, um, but yeah, and well, so I, I, I feel like th- this was, this was unfortunate because we, we basically just spent the first, you know, whatever, 10 or 15 minutes talking about how we probably shouldn't need to talk about Brandon Jennings. <laughs> um, it really, that is like the ethos <laughs> of the Lockdown Bucks podcast though, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a sl- slow news day, of course, um, you know, coming off the off day. I, again, I also slow news day because I really don't want to like, think again i don't I really don't want to spend more time thinking about that hawks game because uh, it was just so bad um but obviously there is uh there is one more game before the all-star break and it's i don't know i, I guess it's something of a measuring stick game right i mean the the denver nuggets are certainly a, a solid team certainly a team that is capable of testing the you know supposedly now good bucks defense um and i guess we'll, we'll i think it'll be an interesting to see how the bucks do because uh, obviously denver uh, not quite you know they're technically a 31 26 and they're not quite as good um record wise as the bucks but um but they do have a more positive point differential they're sixth in the nba in offensive rating 22nd in defensive rating um so hopefully this is a chance for the bucks to spread their wings a little bit and score um and hopefully uh you know let's just say not see especially some of that three-point defense that we've been seeing of late um which again probably some luck in that but uh hopefully not see that start to regress back to the mean but i don't know any any thoughts on on denver as as we kind of have our our last game before the all-star break coming up here um before denver i would with the bucks and going back to the atlanta game sorry um but one of the things that people were worried about was Jabari Parker and him, I don't know, clutching at his knee or favoring it or, I don't know, there was a bunch of stuff that I didn't see live in the arena that people told me about on Twitter. And again, I don't doubt that any of it happened because I think people keep a much closer eye on Jabari Parker um, than I do. Um, But 
it sounds, I mean, at practice today, or after practice today, I should say, Joe Pronte said he went through everything, he should be fine, there should be no concerns about him for uh, Thursday's game against the Nuggets, and just kind of reminded everyone that this is, you know, a process, and it's going to take some time, and everything's not going to happen right away, and you're going to have to go through some progressions, and any other words you can say to say that this takes time um, were used to let us know that, well, Jabari Parker, they think is fine. They didn't have any problems with anything that happened. Um, but I guess it served as a helpful reminder to me that uh, throughout the rest of the season, Bucks fans, uh, I tweeted it out, but it's, it was the gif from Captain Phillips where he gets his binoculars out and then looks kind of scared and then <laughs> looks through the binoculars again. Like, that's what it's going to be with Jabari Parker the rest of this year is uh, I think a lot of people – or a lot of Bucks fans, I should say, watching him very closely and hoping for the best for him and hoping that he looks okay and in the games where he doesn't look okay, then it'll be looking for reasons why he doesn't look okay. Why is he not okay? What is wrong with him in this game? Is there something with his leg? Is he jumping three inches less off the ground because of it? Is there something? Like, that's always going to... I. And I guess I should have known that earlier, but I guess last night kind of just reinforced all that for me, that there's going to be a very watchful eye kept on Jabari Parker, which I don't blame fans for at all. And uh, obviously I think that I don't want to say it's useful because I don't know if that much stress is necessary um, for anyone watching a sports team, but um, I can understand the increased uh, vigilance, I I suppose, in watching Jabari Parker play basketball. So um, for those that were worried, he is... They say he's fine, they didn't have any concerns, and then he'll play on Thursday. Um, But looking at this Nuggets team, I think what's interesting about them is just kind of, they're just a multi-headed attack. They're kind of difficult to, when you just look at them, you look at their stats, I mean, even watching them play, there's no head of the, there's no head to cut off, like, there's no Giannis that's going to run everything for this team. Like Jokic, to an extent, will do that, and obviously they'll run a lot of stuff through him, but you look at the season Will Barton's having. You look at the season Gary Harris is having. You look at the season um, Jamal Murray is having. Like There's just a number of guys on that team that are just kind of making plays, and um, you look at you look at their stats, and you can see, yeah, they are very just even across the board, which... I don't know if it makes you any more difficult to guard. Uh, Obviously, I think having an elite creator, an elite scorer, like that is the most difficult thing. But certainly, I think it makes them an interesting team because that just means everyone has to be focused at all times. You can't just say, okay, Giannis has the ball. Let's go cover him, shut him down, and then we can relax and recover with with them, they they have a number of guys that can kind of do this. So um, it, it'll be kind of really interesting uh, to see exactly what happens in this game. I'm always interested by Gary Harris. Obviously, he had gotten the contract extension, and some people were like, "This is way too much." And other people were like, "Well, maybe the advanced numbers hit. This is a good deal." Like he's just an interesting player to me, and I think Jokic is fascinating. Just someone who who doesn't necessarily want to score is as much as uh maybe a number one option in alpha whatever you want to say does but also throws the coolest passes in the league 
close to the coolest passes. Like he's certainly, I think, in the conversation. So uh, they're just a, I think, a, a really interesting basketball team. Yeah, I mean, they're they're they have a lot of depth. I mean, it, it's it's interesting seeing you know over the summer, you know, they were obviously involved in a lot of trade talks, um, which kind of makes sense because they have a lot of kind of young, interesting pieces that. You know, especially given that lack of a superstar, you would think they would be a team that would be looking to package up kind of multiple young assets, you know, turn those nickels and dimes into, I don't know if they can get a dollar, but maybe a quarter or something like that. Um, and obviously, like getting Paul Millsap was a huge coup for them. Um, you know, he doesn't really, really match the rest of their kind of roster's timeline, but they got him on a pretty favorable deal. Um, in terms of, you know, not, they didn't have to give him like a four year, you know, hundred million dollar deal or something like that. I think it was, I think it was like a two plus one, I think with team option. Um, so pretty favorable and, but he's been out for most of the season with, uh, with an injury. So, um, you know, not with, you know, not having him, it's obviously a question like, you know, what will they, what would they look like at sort of full strength when they really kind of hitting on all cylinders. But as you said, they're kind of the opposite of the bucks where they, you know, have like a bunch of like pretty good players but they don't really have that kind of star score kind of obvious focal point offensively I mean, to some extent obviously Jokic is um is a focal point i mean he leads them in assists 5.7 a game i'm almost shocked that he doesn't average more assists just because he's such a good passer and they have shooters you know i'm a little surprised that he doesn't I, average like eight assists a game to be honest i was gonna say i almost feel like i want to call him like a fulcrum more than a focal yeah. point if that makes any sense like he's yeah. just like kind of what makes it all go but he doesn't necessarily create it all i don't know if that makes any sense yeah like he it sort of pivots around him but it yeah. doesn't necessarily like like it, he's not the guy scoring obviously all the time yeah um but but yeah agreed and actually in february he is averaging 20 points 11 boards eight assists a, uh, a game in six february games so he's <laughs> he's 23 and 11 in their last game or 23 and 13 excuse me in their last game yeah and we saw him get a triple double against the bucks last year um so he's he's just a a really interesting player and again i mean his mindset he he's very unselfish right he doesn't always look to to score he can go out and be that kind of guy, I think, a lot of times, but it's just not necessarily his natural mindset. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he comes out. Um, and certainly, you know, uh, those guards, you know, Jamal Murray has made a big leap here in yeah. in his second season, um, averaging over 16 a game. You know, kind of, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's really, he is kind of like the guy he was at Kentucky in the sense that, yeah, I mean, he's nominally can play some point, but he's, he's not a point, right? I mean, he averages fewer than three assists a game. He's a shooter, right? I mean, he's a shooter slash scorer. He's really good at that. He, you know, I've seen him hit some big shots. For some reason, I've, just, I've seen a lot of Nuggets games lately. I feel like they've been on TV a fair bit. They have. Um, and obviously, Gary Harris hit that huge three to to win the game against the Thunder um, a week or two ago. So, so they're an interesting team. I mean, even Trey Lyles, who you know, I think will now mostly be known as the guy that you know, along with uh, uh, Tyler Lydon. <laughs> were the counterweights in the Donovan Mitchell draft night trade. I mean, that obviously looking like a trade that they will greatly regret. I mean, Trey Lyles, though, is actually playing really well yeah, of yeah, late yeah. as well. He's shooting 40% from three. Um, and they just have a lot of interesting players. I mean, we, we're seeing kind of a little bit of some of the, you know, the trading of Emmanuel Mugier for a pick, you know, sort of was the first, I think, of kind of the the inevitable kind of having to, to trim around the edges here and get rid of some of these young guys who is some of these guys like inevitably start to not pan out. You know, you got you to make some choices. And obviously with Moutier, even though you know, he wasn't going to be a free agent or anything, they just obviously decided that things weren't progressing in the right direction. And um, as much as they don't really have a, you know, an obvious sort of 
true point guard on the roster that you know kind of starts or makes things go for them they they obviously felt like moving on picking up Devin Harris as sort of a veteran guy um, in his stead so yeah it, it, it'll be interesting I mean Kenneth Reed is also on this team only playing 14 minutes per game I mean his role has been dramatically reduced kind of crazy to think this was he was like a team USA guy a couple years ago and you know now he's just basically a guy that I'm sure is just probably pretty pissed about you know not having a bigger role on a team that um you know he was previously he was never he never averaged a double double but he always felt like a guy who was you know just giving you those those points and boards every night and being that energy guy in the last two years he's just seen his role diminish greatly and um yeah who knows who knows if we're gonna see much of him at all on on uh on thursday the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I was going to say, not only is he probably pissed about his role in Denver, like I'm, he's probably just pissed about his role in general in the way that basketball is played now, like that teams just don't really value that in the same way that they used to. Um, And you mentioned whether or not we'll see him. Like he picked up a DNP last game uh, in that Spurs game. And also uh, against the Spurs, they beat the Spurs 117-109. I read it right the first time. Jokic did have 23-13, and but he also had 11 assists. That was a triple-double, 23-13 and 11. Um, I don't know why my eyes didn't read that right the first time. Um, But... They, they kind of, to me, kind of have a celtics vibe from last year where there was just, like, solid dudes across the roster uh, where you just look at it and you look at their top eight and it's all guys that are like, okay, they're solid. Um, and obviously, if Millsap wasn't hurt, maybe this team looks a little bit different and their ceiling looks a little bit different, but I, I think they're wellish coached. Um, they get contributions from a number of players on the roster and... I think generally most nights they're going to play hard and make it difficult on you, which uh, at times this year has been a problem for the Bucks. Uh, getting up on, on nights where they're not playing great teams since Joe Pronti's been around, that really hasn't been a problem. But uh, I do think, like you said originally, like this is a team that's sink, sixth in offensive rating. That's a very serious test for this Bucks team. Um, defensively, they've seen a number of easy offenses to defend. Um, so getting an actual test here with a team that can do it in a number of different ways, can make you work um, and kind of get after you that way. And uh, this isn't a team that's um, adverse to the, free, the to the three-point line. They're 10th in three-point attempts per game. Um, so they can get it up a little bit. Um, and, and I get their 10th in three-point attempt rate as well. So they're not afraid to shoot it from three. I just think it's going to be an intro. I think it's nice that before the All-Star break, we can have uh, at least, even if it's just a preview, just kind of a small test that lets us know, and I don't want to say real or not real, but just something to balance out all of the crap teams we've seen, um, just to kind of get some sort of idea uh, of what this Bucks team might be after the All-Star break, but this is a real test. Uh, they the Bucks will be favored in this game. I think. Uh, I think you said four and a half the other night. I don't know if that line's moved at all. I would doubt that it has. Um, 
but they'll be favored in this game. It's a game that they should win, but not the, uh, a game that they should win to the extent, I would say, on a night where they're playing the Atlanta Hawks. No, no, and obviously that was a slog in and of itself. But yeah, 66% likely to win. They're minus four right now in the 538 model. Um, one interesting thing about this team, they are 8-19 and 19 on the road this year, and obviously that ain't good. Um, and if you look at the rest of the playoff teams in both conferences right now, uh, if I go out, out to the West, the next worst record among a playoff team, 12-18, and 18, the Minnesota Timberwolves. So they're dramatically worse than the T-Wolves wow. in terms of road record. If you kind of keep going down the um, keep going down the, the, the you know, standings in the West, uh, I mean, even the Lakers, who are 11th, are 9-19. and 19. The Grizz are 5-21, and 21, so they're better than the Grizz on the road. <laughs> but even the Kings are 10-22, and 22, which is... Kind of similar, and yep. like Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns are nine and nineteen. They're even yep. better than the Denver Nuggets on the road, um, and it's a similar story out in the East. You know, no playoff team has fewer than thir- uh, than twelve wins uh, on the road in the East as well. So Denver, you know, again, they're a really good team at home. Obviously, there's altitude and different reasons for that. Probably they're twenty three and seven there, but they are way worse at at home. And obviously, the Bucks uh, are a team that has been playing better uh, at home. Uh, they're 19 and nine at home, and and obviously, you know, you really want to take care of business in this last game uh, before the All Star break. One other statistical note: you were mentioning some of the stuff, you know, like three point racing and that things like that. You know, the fact that Denver is second in offensive rebound rate certainly that's something that you know the Bucks have obviously had issues with at times. Um, Jokic is a, can be a terrific offensive rebounder. Um, you know, Farid obviously doesn't really play. It doesn't really play. Hopefully, he doesn't play. I guess because he's the kind of guy that you know would uh, probably hurt them on the offensive boards. I'm trying to remember. Was it a couple years ago that he didn't he have that put that air ball put back um, against the Bucks in Denver? Mm. I think to win a game. Um, yeah. So yeah. But Jokic is good. Mason Plumley, the the other Plumley brother, um, he is uh, he's been a good offensive rebounder this year. Um, certainly not worth his contract, but uh, he's a good. Uh, wait a second, under. a Plumley not <laughs> worth his contract. Where have I heard that before? Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, but uh, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I, and I think you know one thing I'm really looking out for. I mean, this is a bad defensive team, but you know Atlanta was bad defensively, and they really didn't let Giannis get untracked at all. Um, I'm gonna be curious to see how Giannis comes out, what he looks like. It would be obviously nice to see him have a big night offensively before the all-star break defensively. He's obviously been bringing it, um, night in and night out, but it'd be nice to get Giannis kind of going offensively. Uh, you know, they start Will Barton and Wilson Chandler at the forward spots. I imagine you'd see Wilson Chandler defending him to start, um, Chandler, obviously pretty mobile, not, not an enormous guy. Um, but obviously a, a guy who's pretty athletic, uh, and, and certainly not a small guy. So it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how the Nuggets fare defending Giannis, um, because certainly Jokic, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, right? I mean, Jokic is still so young, 22 years old. You know, the, and the Nuggets don't have the expectations quite yet for for people to really put a lot of him, you know, him kind of under the microscope too much. But he's definitely one of those guys. That I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, like, can you ever have a good defense with Nikola Jokic being, you know, the guy at the middle of that, mm-hmm. uh, of, of the paint, you know, playing, you know, having to kind of protect the rim and, and obviously the rebounding is not really a concern, but, um, but just, you know, his mobility and all that, you know, what, what does that look like? Is that something you can live with? So, um, I think that'll be interesting to watch that. Obviously you feel good about Giannis going against a team that has Nikola Jokic, uh, defending the rim. But, you know, again, if, if the Nuggets sort of just say, 
if they're dedicated discipline to getting back on defense and transition and they just kind of flood the lane and flood the strong side when Giannis has the ball, um, you know, the Bucks have to prove them that they can actually hit some shots, which obviously they haven't always done from the outside. So, um, so yeah, fingers crossed that the real Giannis shows up and, and gives us 30 plus points <laughs> against the Nuggets. Um, but uh, certainly they're, they're an interesting team that uh, I think is a, a good test. Although hopefully those, uh, hopefully those, those bad, um, those bad road, the bad road nuggies will uh, will remain true to themselves and and uh, and maybe give the Bucks a little bit of help as well. Yeah, we'll have to kind of see how that one goes, but uh, I think that's about it for our preview of this team. Uh, it it's a game that could possibly uh, be a tough one for the Bucks. It could be possibly a tough one uh, for Giannis. You mentioned whether or not he can get loose against him uh, last year. Uh, 23 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, and 5 turnovers um, and a loss against the Nuggets in February. He was 9 of 13 on that night and then in the other one, 5 of 13, uh, just 15 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 blocks, 6 turnovers. So uh, this Nuggets team was a team that turned him over quite a bit last year. So we'll see if that is the same way this year. All right, that's going to be it for us for today. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you after the Bucks play the Mug- <laughs> after the Bucks play the Nuggets tomorrow night. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.